All right, amen. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. And once you find Luke 22, go ahead and turn your Bibles as well to Romans chapter 1. We're going to start off in Luke, and then later on in the message, we'll get to Romans chapter number 1. All right. Um, let me start out by saying I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to preach. Um, the message I'm preaching tonight, as do most of my message, they started off as an elementary chapel message. Haven't actually preached this one in elementary chapel yet, um, but in memory of said time, I am preaching this one tonight. I did adapt it to adults, so hopefully this goes as planned, but the Lord laid this one on my heart. Um, as Pastor mentioned, I am in language school, so please continue to pray for me. I do believe that the Lord has put a very unique opportunity in front of us to have a great impact on the deaf community here in Jacksonville. Uh, so pray that this opens up doors. Uh, it's not just for me to get more learning, uh, but it's also to make contacts and to meet more deaf people. And uh, the Lord's already working. He's already doing a great, uh, great thing. So continue to pray for us. Um, my wife was telling me earlier that my... Daughter McKenna, of course, she knows when I go to school. Well, earlier she asked my wife, uh, she's like, where's daddy? And my wife's like, oh, he's studying. And she's like, oh, study school, study school. And my wife said, no, actually, he's studying for church. He's going to preach tonight. And my daughter looked at my wife and was like, no, pastor preach. And <laughs> it's a bad thing when even, even your daughter can't respect you in your household. <laughs> All right, the title of the message tonight is going to be a bit of a different one. It is called Burger King, Have It Your Way. Burger King, Have It Your Way. Now, I brought the illustrious crown that I know all of you look to get every time you go to Burger King. So I'm going to set this up here as a visual reminder for everyone. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read Luke chapter 22. We're just going to start off with one verse, verse 42. The Bible says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Now, there's a lot that I would like to get to in this message. I'm going to be reading a lot of Bible tonight. Uh, it will feel more like a Bible study. Um, because of that, I'm going to, for the most part, read my message because I don't want to go any longer than I need to. Uh, but to start us off, the Burger King Corporation has a famous motto of have it your way. Through the slogan, they advertise their restaurant's willingness to allow you to select which items you want to include or forego on your charboiled hamburger. The intent is to deliver you a sandwich that tastes just the way you like it. Um, you've probably all seen or heard the commercial either in your own home or going about your business on the radio. They've got a jingle with the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it. But it goes something like this. Whopper, 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 whopper. <laughs> Junior double, triple whopper. Flame grill taste with perfect toppers. I rule this day. You rule your season the day at BK, have it your way. Now, what is that doing? It's feeding into your desire to have what you want. Burger King was founded in 1953 in Jacksonville, Florida. How many of you knew it was founded here? Not very many. I didn't know that until I was studying for this message. Its original name was Insta Burger King, and it was founded by a man named Keith J. Kramer. Now, Several years ago, they came out with a mission statement to basically say, this is what our company is about, and this is what it is. Have it your way. You have the right to have what you want, exactly when you want it. Because on the menu of life, you are today's special, 
and tomorrow's, and the day after that, and, well, you get the drift. Yes, that's right. We may be the king, but you, my friend, are the almighty ruler. Years before the Burger King restaurant chain came into existence, there was an old preacher who said there are two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right, fine, have it your own way. As with hamburgers, some people in the Christian life try to customize Christianity to have it the way that they want it, and others take it just as God has passed it down to us. Since birth, we are consumed with trying to have things work out solely to our own benefit. Most of our infant life is made up of each one of us pushing, prodding, crying, and throwing temper tantrums in an effort to coerce our parents into complying with our particular demands. There's a little extra of that going around in my house right now. Not all from the kids. <laughs> the point is, from birth, we all want to have it my way. In the area of Christianity, there is a mindset that is not much different from that which we have exhibited from our births. We like to have it our way as it relates to the things of God. That mindset works great for a fast food chain, but it does not work with the spiritual things of God. In this message, I pray the Holy Spirit helps us to see some important truths concerning this Burger King style of Christianity. Very quickly, number one, we see that this way does not lead to heaven. This way does not lead to heaven. Have it your way has been the Burger King slogan for 40 years now. Frank Sinatra voiced the same philosophy in life with his theme song, I Did It My Way. These two popular phrases are in direct opposition to true Christianity by attacking the foundational truths of salvation itself. John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus taught there is only one way to reach God and eternal life, and it is not by doing it your way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. A fact that a lot of people struggle to accept is this. There's going to be a lot of really good people that die and go to hell. People who sat beside you on a church pew. People who only touted a King James Bible. People who faithfully tithed. People who sat beneath the preaching of a man of God for years and maybe even influenced others in the direction of right. And after describing people who were very, quote-unquote, religious, Jesus responds with these chilling words a few verses later. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And later on he says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now why did Jesus say that? Because he had earlier in the verses we read laid down the terms of approaching God. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Forget what the world says. People, no matter how well-intentioned, often get it wrong. Focus on what the Lord says. If you're being religious and attempt to please God, you will die in your sins and go to hell. Only through accepting the fact that you are a sinner, you are completely helpless to save yourself from the punishment of your sin, and through accepting the price Jesus paid by his death, burial, and resurrection, can you be saved. There's a lot of religions that treat salvation like a fast food item. Oh, I want that. I don't want that. We scoff. But even in Baptist circles, we have preachers who look at the King James Bible and say, well, I like that, 
I don't know, I don't think I like that, so we're just going to leave that part out. I'm going to get the version that fits my lifestyle. If you're not careful, you will read the Bible with the mindset of, well, that doesn't apply to me, so I'm just going to ignore that. You listen to the preaching of your pastor and you say, well, I'm just going to tune it out because I don't like it. Your Christianity is not a fast food item that you can customize to please yourself. Number one, the Burger King philosophy does not lead to heaven. Number two, there is danger in chasing after everything you want. There is danger in chasing after everything you want. You know, we can trace this mindset by starting at the root cause and then seeing where it leads. First of all, it stems from selfishness. It stems from selfishness. You focus only on today at the expense of tomorrow. We think of Esau, who sold his birthright. What is he doing? He's giving up his tomorrow at the expense of today. The prodigal son gave up his family and his home to live in the pleasures of sin and have what he wanted only to end up in the pig pen. When you chase after everything you want today, you sacrifice your tomorrow. Everyone has potential, but the more time that you spend focused on yourself and what you want, the less opportunity you have to see that potential for God realized. A day lived for yourself is always a day that is wasted. So it starts with selfishness, and then your selfishness leads to pride. In Judges 17, 6, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, mankind has been created to trust, obey, and surrender to the will of our creator while having the freedom to do as we choose. And often those choices that we are free to make go against the will of Almighty God. We call this freedom free will or freedom of choice to select the course that you want to pursue in life. Eve mishandled that freedom in Genesis chapter 3. But how did Satan convince Eve to sin? By using her own desires against her. He stroked her pride and he made it all about what she wanted. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. One of the greatest temptations that we will face is thinking of ourselves as being much smarter than we actually are. I know what's best for my life. You may not use those words, but you would say something like, well, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. That doesn't apply to me. He just doesn't understand. My situation is different. The Bible refers to such an attitude as that of pride. And it's easy to find that God is displeased with that attitude. Proverbs 16, 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And pay attention, though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You see, it doesn't matter how many friends approve of your customary lifestyle choices. It doesn't matter that Disney says, follow your heart. God is still disgusted with our pride. And it doesn't matter how many people hold hands with us and say, oh, no, it's okay. We can do this together. Where does that pride lead? Well, thirdly, your pride leads to destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Any element of pride always causes people to engage in behaviors that prove to be destructive in the end. Often, pride's initial appearance will be something of success and achievement, and people will shout the acclaim and the approval of others while the proud individual doesn't even realize he's hurting himself and he's suffering because of his pride, and the more we revel in that pride, the deeper it drags us into sin. Please allow me to emphasize that there is never 
anything good about possessing pride. And when you are so focused on chasing what you want, you better be careful. Soon you will come close to achieving your dreams, and who's going to pat you on the back? Where will your praise be directed? Who will all of your hard work have been for? For God? No, of course not. It will have been you because you were so focused on yourself and there's not going to be any room for God. So often we fail to examine the pride in our own life and the grave danger that it poses to us. We lack the understanding that it poisons our mind and we don't even understand that many times it leads us further away from God. We can be in church doing all of the different ministries and be as far away from God as possible because of pride. As I've already stated, have it your way is the Burger King slogan. It has resounded for years over the airwaves and across the country and no doubt around the world as well. This is a state of mind that comes as the direct result of a prideful thought process. I want it my way. Let me give you the definition of pride. Haughtiness, swelling, arrogance, highness, pomp. In every instance, not, not just in most. In every instance, pride is hurtful to the point of destruction. God does not lie. And when he puts it in his word, you better write it down as fact. Because pride will lead to destruction in your life. Look at its definition. Every single word presents us with something that is completely detestable. It is the exact opposite of what God has called us to be. Humble, meek, lowly. But instead, the definition of pride is things like arrogance and haughtiness. For example, let's look at Pharaoh's pride. In Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Now these two verses set the beginning stages for what will be a catastrophic conclusion for the Pharaoh of Egypt head of the most powerful nation upon the planet at the time of this development. You see, Pharaoh is recognized by his own people as the offspring of the sun god. He is revered and worshipped as a god upon the earth, a status which obviously causes him to be arrogant, pompous, and prideful. He does not display the wisdom of a true leader by trying to learn more about this God that has been mentioned to him, about whom he knows nothing and of whom Moses speaks. Instead, he assumes that there is no one on the planet who could possibly challenge his authority and his power. In essence, he is stating there is no God aside from himself. In Psalm 53, 1, you know the verse, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, Pharaoh tried to have it his way by employing this philosophy, but God had other plans. Remember the words of Abraham regarding God. He said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? If Pharaoh, who had never before heard of God, was not excused from rebelling in ignorance, do we really think that our rebellion in pride and in the knowledge of our rebellion could ever go unpunished. You see, we grow up in church, and we know what we're supposed to do. We have it all down pat, and yet sometimes we knowingly rebel. And that should get under our skin a little bit and make us think, man, if God wouldn't excuse ignorance on the part of Pharaoh, he for sure won't forgive our, or he won't forget our knowledgeable rebellion. The Burger King philosophy is not a new concept. 
It's been around since the beginning of time as it causes people to think more highly of themselves and their plans than they ought to think. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, though the grace be given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You see, we tend to see ourselves as being able to make our own choices rather than being led by God. We seem to think we can somehow outmaneuver the Lord and find a better path of life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know the verses, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, people will teach and try to convince you that you can set the standards of what is right and wrong rather than adhering to the word of God as your guide. And if you listen to that mindset, I promise your end will be just as spiritually destructive as that as Pharaoh's life when he lost his people, his kingdom, his firstborn, and his life. Pharaoh's life proves that the Burger King philosophy of have it your way ends in destruction. But if that's not enough, let's look now at King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 29, it says, At the end of twelve months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. You see, these two verses provide us with a prime example of a king who is enamored with his own accomplishments, and he leaves no room for the adoration and praise of God. We can find him literally worshiping himself. In this instance, having it his way means that Nebuchadnezzar sees himself as controlling his own life. In essence, he is his own deity. In Daniel chapter 3, all the people were commanded that at the time they heard all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now this is interesting to me. He goes around touting himself as God, and yet he sets up an idol for the people to worship. You see... This is the very height of someone choosing to have it his own way. We see a king who goes back and forth between his recognition that there is a God, there is a higher power somewhere, and yet, with the knowledge of a higher power, he still chose to exalt himself. And today, I think there are many who call themselves Christians who are found engaging in the very same mindset as that of Nebuchadnezzar. They choose to believe that they can decide which commandments, if any, they will obey. They ignore what God says and never stop to consider if what they do is acceptable to God. They think nothing of following the rules that are convenient, but they pick apart the ones that they don't like. They criticize standards that they don't want to follow. They ridicule the man of God for teaching them. They gossip and tear down others who are obeying. How are they any different from Nebuchadnezzar? They are setting themselves up above God. They say, God, I know you're there and I know you have rules, but I have my own plans and I don't want to do things your way. I know you have a will, but I don't like it, so I will choose to have it my own way. The Burger King philosophy is alive and well within the ranks of churches, Bible colleges, Christian schools, church-going families, youth groups, and friend cliques alike. We obey when it is convenient. We listen when we want. We surrender when it's easy, but when the rubber meets the road and we have to make a decision, we may as well be saying, no, God, I want it my way. The Burger King philosophy of I want it my way is a mindset. It is a condition of the heart that is not limited to a particular historic period. It can apply to an individual, to a group. It existed yesterday. It exists today. It will exist tomorrow. Read the book of Revelation, specifically chapter number nine. There are men who in the face of all proof in the book of Revelation still deny God. Why? Because they have to have it their 
way. Listen to me. This is not a foreign concept to anyone that's sitting here. You know what I'm talking about because this philosophy is strongly embedded inside the heart of every sinner. It's in our flesh and it is not easily changed. We want things our own way. You trying to have your own way, though, will only feed into your selfishness, which in turn feeds into your pride, and your pride will lead to your downfall. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21 says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Isaiah issues a very stern warning to anyone who would think of themselves as wise enough to control their own life. Isaiah does not seem to view it as such a light thing, which many of us seem to do in modern times. He offers the sternest warning that he could have possibly issued in that day. He says, woe. With that in mind, let's look at the def dictionary definition. The word woe means a condition of deep suffering from misfortune, affliction, or grief. So think about that. He is saying, hey, deep suffering because of your actions unto those of you that are wise in your own eyes and prudent in your own sight. Such a strong statement begs the question, when is someone seen as being wise in their own eyes? Well, Isaiah doesn't leave us to wonder. He answers the question in the very next verse. He says, therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. Do you see it? You cannot choose to ignore the laws or the commandments of God, disregard certain areas of the Bible, turn your back on the standards you've been taught, shirk the principles that have been passed down to you, and expect that such actions will be acceptable to a holy and an almighty God. To pick and choose what, when, or how we want to obey is sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is transgression of the law. The heartbreaking reality is that so many people believe themselves to be righteous when nothing could be further from the truth. Their pride has blinded them into believing that they are okay. The Pharisees were proud of how well they knew the scriptures. And their pride blinded them to the fact that it's not enough to know righteousness. We must live righteously. We have a nation of churches filled with people who are raised with the Bible and know what it says. And at times when I'm out witnessing to people, I'll have people who will quote scripture to me, probably more than most churchgoers ever could. And yet, despite the knowledge of righteousness, there's a lack of it in their life. James chapter four, verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The Pharisees considered themselves to be above the law by considering themselves the exception to the law, as if God's word was not applicable to them. No one is better than the Burger King philosophy than someone like the Pharisees. Someone who knows the truth but in their pride refuses to believe the warnings of their parents, refuses to listen to the pleadings of their pastor, shirks the prayers of those that love them by thinking they'll be the first person in the history of mankind to choose their way and it be better than God's. They believe their pride won't be their downfall. They believe they can have it their way and still be fine. Apparently, they are the first exception ever to the word of God. 
The Burger King philosophy can never work before an almighty God. There is no alternative from God's way that does not end in destruction. We must be righteous and not just appear to be righteous. We cannot be Burger King Christians who seek to have it our way while proudly disregarding the commandments of our God. I think of Uzzah in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. You know, as a young man, this verse always troubled me. Uzzah was a very sincere man. He meant to do well. He was trying to do a good thing, and God killed him. And in my adolescent mind, I thought, man, God's just being a little too strict. Didn't God know that Uzzah was sincere? He was trying to help. But listen to me. Uzzah was a priest. He knew better than to touch the ark of God. He knew the consequences. He knew God's command. And yet he thought, I'm doing a good thing, so I'll be okay. It does not matter that Uzzah meant well. He knowingly violated the command of an almighty God. In Numbers chapter 4, 15, God said, But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. That's about as black and white as it could possibly be. And we already talked about how well the Pharisees and the priests knew the scriptures. I guarantee you, he had that in the back of his mind when he reached out and thought, ah, surely not. I'll be the exception. I'll be okay. The Burger King philosophy certainly didn't work for him, even though it will often appear to be an unimportant matter to us. And it may even seem that what we're doing is quote unquote good and right, but God obviously sees things much differently. Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is never pleased with pride existing in the hearts of any of his children because it is such a destructive presence. I won't go too much into detail, but in 2 Kings chapter 20, we read of King Hezekiah, who in his pride and arrogance boasted to members of the Babylonian royalty about the things contained inside of the Israeli treasury. Because of that, everything inside the treasury was taken away to Babylon in the next generation. What took generations to compile and build was gone in the instance of one bad decision of a single man. You see, it doesn't matter that this church has taken generations to build. It doesn't matter that our faith and our freedom that have been handed down to us by the martyrs took generations to build. You can destroy the work of God with the poor and prideful decisions of a single generation. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way. God sees pride and the arrogance that accompanies it as evil. He hates it, and we must hate it too. Your sincerity doesn't matter. Whether or not you're doing a quote-unquote good thing doesn't matter. God sees it for what it truly is, pride. There is God's way and there is sin, and we cannot deviate. And we cannot use the good things in life to try to create an excuse or an out of obeying the word of God and his will. Chasing what you want leads to selfishness, which always leads to pride, which always leads to destruction. Point number three, the danger in getting everything you want is you will lose what you have. The danger in getting everything you want is you will lose what you have. There was an old preacher who told the story of a bull who lived in a pasture with tall green grass and shade trees, a nice cool pond. It was everything that bull would ever need. 
Until one day he looked across the street and he sees a pasture with three heifers. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to go over there and I'm going to be with those three heifers. But there was a problem. He had to hop over his fence, walk across the road, and hop over their fence to get to them. So he charges his fence, and he takes a leaping jump, and he makes it over, but not without scratching his stomach a little bit. And now he's got a pretty deep wound, and he shakes it off, and he's struggling. He's like, you know what? It's okay. I'm halfway there. So he, with a great leap, clears the second fence to get into the heifer's field, and not without slicing his belly open completely now. And so there he is, dazed, lying there in pain, but he thought, that's okay, I'll spend my last few moments enjoying the company of these heifers only to find out there were three bulls. Now, with that being said, not all that glimmers is gold. Sometimes we like to paint a picture of saying, well, life outside of the will of God is going to be great and grand, but it won't be. You see, he gave up everything he had to try to get something he didn't even need or want. You may get what you want, but you'll lose what you have. Consider Nadab and Abihu. These two men were priests of God. They were the preachers of their day. Added to their credentials was the fact that they were the sons of Aaron and the nephews of Moses. That's pretty good credentials. They've got some connections. But look at Leviticus chapter 10. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. You see, when they tried to alter the way they worshipped, they weren't just reprimanded. They died in a flame of fire for trying to have it their way. It doesn't matter who you're connected to or how long you've been in church or how much you think you know. Uh, when you try to bend God's will and you try to change God's commandments to have it your way, you will lose every time. I don't care how long you've gone to church or even if you're on staff, when you chase what you want, you will leave the things of God. You cannot have the pleasures of sin and the blessings of God. Nadab and Abihu got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. You see, they could no longer influence the next generation for right. Their wives and their families were left waiting with no idea that they would never come home. Future ministry opportunities were now wasted. Their lives were toppled in a single act of defiance to God because they had to have it their way. I think of when Israel asked for a king in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They wanted to be like the world around them. The people wanted to be socially acceptable. They wanted to look like the rest of the world. You know, there's a lot of teenagers today that get into drugs and alcohol because they just want to be accepted. They engage in risque behavior because they think it's okay. I mean, after all, the movies, the music, the books, and the world in general present all of those things as being just fine. But be careful what you wish for because God will sometimes give you what you ask for even when it's wrong. You say, but why? He does that because you are a moral being. God made you to make choices. You choose to serve him or you choose to rebel against him. You choose to accept his son as savior, or you choose your own path to destruction. You must be careful about the decisions you make and the things you ask for. You may get what you want, but you may not want it after you get it. It was Benjamin Franklin who said, if a man could have half of his wishes, he would double his troubles. 
It's one thing to tell the restaurant what you will and will not accept on a sandwich. It's a different thing to tell God what you will and won't accept from him in his will. God has provided us with a faith that must be accepted as is, not customized to our whims, preferences, likes, or dislikes. We are obligated to take the whole package that he provides. We are not to withhold any of his commands or any part of ourselves when we commit to him. But still, we all manage to play Burger King Christianity in some way. We pick and choose which commands and which rules we want to obey, and we discard or modify those that rub us the wrong way or which we deem as too difficult or too restrictive. In typical human fashion, we like to showcase our strengths and make sure that everyone sees what we're good at and where we obey. Meanwhile, we're careful to conceal the areas where we are rebelling, and we're equally as diligent in concealing our disobedience. So while showcasing our areas of obedience, we then rationalize, you know what? I'm pretty good compared to everyone else. And despite our cleverness and our ability to fool the people around us, God is not mocked. He sees through the facade of the Burger King-like Christianity. He sees the choices we reject just as clearly as those we accept. That's a dangerous game to play. God may turn us over to our sin and to our shameful lusts. As everybody in Romans chapter 1, look at verse number 24. The Bible says... Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And then if you skip down a few verses to verse number 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness. And then in verse 32, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Be careful what you wish for, because God may just give it to you. We've seen it time and time again. There's a boy who chases after a girl. He wants, he wants that girl to like him so bad, and that girl ends up breaking his heart, cheating on him, and leaving him with the children. There's a girl who chases a boy, and the boy ends up not providing and forsaking his family. There's a young person who chases a career that fills their days with gloom, steals their joy, and keeps them out of God's will. Uh, there's a young person that wants to go to a specific Bible college, and that's not God's will, and they end up hooking up with the wrong people in the wrong crowd. Uh, there are people who want that one friend, and that friend is the one who ends up dragging them into sin. There are people who want certain possessions that never satisfy or fill the void in their heart. Oh, be careful, because when you have it your way, you'll find that in getting everything you wanted, you lost what you have. God does not take lightly the rebellion of his children, which is why he compares rebellion to witchcraft and his promised destruction to the proud. You see, Christianity is not a cafeteria-style faith where we can reject one commandment after another and select only the ones that fit our style. We must take pleasure with the pain, the wisdom with the rebuke, the easy with the difficult, because we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Oh, but Brother Jackson, I don't like submitting myself. I don't like sacrificing my own desires. It's hard to have self-control. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to keep fighting the world. You know what? That's true. But you know what's harder? Losing everything you have, going after everything you ever wanted. If Nadab and Abihu were here, I promise you they would tell you to submit your will to God's. Within years, 
Israel lost an entire generation to be servants, soldiers, and slaves to King Saul because they had to have it their way. God will let you have it your way, but if you wish to enjoy the full measure of his blessings, you have to do things God's way. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You see, they get what they want, but they have to give up the truth to get it. Christian, you can have it your way, but not without sacrificing your potential for God, his perfect will, and the peace that can only come from doing what is right. Last point, number four, have it God's way. Have it God's way. How do we have it God's way? Very quickly, number one, submit to God's will. Submit to God's will. How do you submit to God's will? First of all, consider Christ's example in the Garden of Gethsemane. We read this verse to start. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Christ set the example for us years and years ago, an example for us to follow. Father, not my will, but thine be done. Secondly, consult God's counsel. Spend time in prayer, asking God to lead you. Read your Bible. It's God's book of wisdom. You know, there are some things I don't need to pray about because God already told me what to do in his word. Sometimes we spend hours and hours praying for something and God's saying, I already gave you the answer. Just go look it up. Go get in the word. Read your Bible. Next, count the cost. Consider the lost potential. Consider the souls that only you can reach. Consider your generational impact. If you have things your way and you start going on that pathway away from the Lord, where does that put your kids? Where does it put your grandkids? What kind of an impact will it have in the generations to follow? I don't want to get to the end of my life and be thinking about what could have been or what should have been. So we submit to God. Next, we honor God with our wants. Honor God with our wants. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. What we want should always honor God. In the story of Israel wanting a king, we saw that the people came to Samuel with a request that God had always answered. They requested a leader, and God had always given them one. But the difference was they wanted a leader their way. Had they let God raise up a leader, as he had always done before, instead of chasing after their own desires, they probably would have had a much different history. But sometimes, we like Israel, we try to outdo God. But God has always provided. He's always been good. Stop trying to control something that God has always cared for. Next, control your thought life. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The scriptures admonish us to direct our efforts toward thinking as God would think by listening to the Holy Spirit inside of us. The mindset of have it your own way is a natural one, but it should be a thought process that slowly diminishes the closer we get to the Lord. How would God want me to handle the situation? How does God want me to respond? What is God's will, not really for my life as much as what is his will in this day? What is will for me in this specific situation? But that takes effort to achieve. And it won't be the easiest thing you can accomplish in life, but it will reap great rewards. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice that Paul lets us know that the only way to prove what is acceptable to God and to know what one is doing God's will is to have that possession of the mind of Christ. As I conclude, let me say this. It would be wrong of me not to warn us against destroying our life, chasing what we want, because it's something that from the time you're in the nursery to the time you die, you're always going to be stuck with that selfish mindset. You're always going to be stuck with this idea of, I want it my way. This have it your way mindset does not get you to heaven. You will destroy your life chasing after everything you want. And when you get what you wanted, you'll lose what you have. Instead, submit to God's will, honor God with your desires, and control your thought life. Don't throw your life away treating it like Burger King. There's only enough room for one on the throne of your heart. So you have to answer the question, will it be God's way or will it be your way?